0: All right. Welcome to another episode of the Principal Liner Notes. I have just had just such a lovely conversation with my guest today, Aaron Austin. And as often when I have guests on the podcast, um, I, I say to myself, we should be recording this because we just it, we just get right into it. So I am very grateful to have Aaron with us. Um, not only is she a a French teacher and she's national board certified and and she holds degrees in in French and art education and an MA in curriculum and and instruction and and all of the things. And she's also an author of of two books, uh, one that, that came out in 2021, The Ultimate Guide to Selling your original world language resources: How to open, fill, and grow a successful online curriculum school, store. And that was that came out from Routledge. And then just a few days ago, from the recording of this podcast, a brand new book has been released, also from Routledge. And that book is entitled "Going Global in the World Language Classroom: Ideas, Strategies, and Resources for Teaching and Learning." With the world, Aaron Austin, welcome to the Principal Liner Notes podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Sean. Really good to be here, and I feel all fired up after spending half an hour talking about music with you. So (laughs) ready to go. Well, let's
0: let's let's go there. Um, I I mean, part of our kind of kinship and connection um, through through the PLN is is music and and education. As well, but it is always great, as as you said, at every school you've been in, you have found that person uh, that that you can talk the secret language of of and the, the not so secret language of 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 music. I know you're a linguist and and you you yeah. that is your specialty. Um, but but we we were speaking um, Beatles, if you will <laughs> yes, I
1: love it a little bit with a Liverpudlian flair. Yes.
0: Oh, I love that too. So what what uh, what is it about music that that inspires you and, and and keeps you going? I know that we there's several intersections in your own life and, and your family and your profession. Um so so what, what are those things in music that, that fuel and inspire you as 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 a person and as an educator? And 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 maybe they're all one and the same.
1: Yeah. So I mean this is this could fill a book on its own but I think a couple things really stand out just about music in general and as a language teacher the thing I go to right away is music is a universal language you do not have to understand or read music to have it affect you and to be able to move to it and to connect with other people whose oral language you don't share through music so that's I think profound, I don't I don't know of anything else in the world that is that deep of a connector. Food maybe comes close, but I think music, music is first. Um, Another thing is that music, at least to me, affects me to my core, absolutely to my core. And it has been that way since I since I can remember. My earliest memories were of music. And I think that has shaped so much of who I am today. And when I realized the power that music had, and then found other people throughout my life, educators and not, who also were affected in that same profound way by music, it's a neat way to connect to someone. And then on the educational side of that, uh, I really think you know our our content area our level k sixteen uh that's that's great, but it's secondary, you know our students are first always mm-hmm. and or at least they should be, I think, and you have to make connections with them before they'll learn from you and music I have found is a really fantastic way to do that and spending time like before or after class before or after school or even a couple minutes during class where i i take a break from speaking french and and speak english uh it's worth its weight in gold and and making those connections through music and when i teach ap art history man i put music in everywhere i can Uh, The next unit in AP art history is actually the ancient Mediterranean. And you better believe that we start off by watching the Bengals video for Walk Like an Egyptian. And then when we get to various Venuses, um, Bananarama comes up. Mm. When I first teach, uh, when we first get into uh, Michelangelo, my whole uh, lecture centers around proving Definitively, that Michelangelo was the first punk rocker. I I also really try to prove my odd maybe theory that Scott Weiland is a reincarnation of Vincent Van Gogh, and they even look like each other. <laughs> <laughs> so I I like to put these things in, uh, sprinkle them all over the place.
0: You know, very very boy. The- there's so many things here that and you're right, this this could be another book, this could be a whole nother <laughs> podcast because first and foremost, and and, and I've, I've, I've said this many times here on on principal liner notes um, is is music is that universal divine language that does connect us. It's that entry point into connection. and and very much um, as, as a former high school English teacher, I used music quite a bit uh, as, as an entry point, whether, whether it was to help students, you know, get into Shakespeare or understand Chaucer or, or, or whatever it may be, or creating a soundtrack for, for the book or, or just an excuse to just bring music in because I'm a music geek, but I, I, you mentioned Michelangelo as the first punk rocker. I, 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 (laughs) Listeners are probably going, "Do tell more, Aaron." And I, I would, could, could you just indulge for just a moment? Yeah. We well, to...
1: Michelangelo was just really kind of into sticking it to the man. Uh, he and the man, in his case, being the Catholic Church. Um, he, oh, <laughs> well, when he was told he had to paint the Sistine Chapel. Right. He, he was like, no, no. I'm a sculptor. I'm not going to do that. And kind of kept on going back and forth with the Pope at the time. And eventually it was, Hey, Michelangelo, do you value your life? Well, sure. I'll paint the, I'll paint the ceiling. So <laughs> what he did um, very, so I think a lot of listeners can picture the center of the top of the Sistine chapel where the two fingers are together, the creation of Adam. Right. And when you look at that, Um, the, the image of God is there and in, in the background of him, there is a shape that is very, very, very much brain shaped
0: Hmm. very
1: much. So there's a couple different things there that may have been Michelangelo's way of saying, Hey, um, I study cadavers, which the Catholic church said was a major no, no. Mm -hmm. But looking at Michelangelo's knowledge of the body, like it was clear he studied and also putting a brain shape behind the image of God may have been Michelangelo's way of saying, this is a figment of your imagination, Mm. church. Mm. When he was asked back a few years later to paint um, the altarpiece, he, again, didn't want to do that. and kind of had to and there was a cardinal that was particularly angry about it and did not want Michelangelo to have any peace in that work so Michelangelo painted him in the lower right hand corner naked with a snake wrapped around him ultimately taking a giant chomp on the cardinal's genitals wow yes
0: (laughs) you know that, that that is uh very uh Sid Sid vicious uh, a little
1: bit yeah <laughs> a little bit of oh oh I'm gonna do it my way yeah and, yeah
0: you know and and um a few years ago um here in North Carolina where where I live um there was the um the facts the traveling facsimile of, of the Sistine Chapel um with which um you know had all these kind of tapestries and it was a recreation Um, and, and there's, it's, it, I'm very fascinated, um, by, by that work and, you know, going all the way back to when I, when I first learned as a kid in fifth grade that this, this man, um, painted this, this work on his back. And um, and then that led me to to seeing the, the the old classic film The Agony and the Ecstasy, and uh, with Heston as Michelangelo and, and Rex Harrison as Pope Julius and the two of them just arguing the whole film. And 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 when you know Heston says, I'm a I'm a, I'm a sculptor, I'm not a painter, you know, and yeah, <laughs> damn you, you know, and he's just 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 these epic battles between between the two of them. And then and then what we have is is this revolutionary uh you know masterpiece uh that 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 still stands the test of time today. And um and again, you know, art, language, music, all of these are are uh, entry points to to connection. Um so I I I, I great I greatly appreciate your, your indulgence on the microphone. <clears throat> punk rock so that (laughs) that 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 may be uh that may be a book or a keynote uh in the future for you my friend
1: sticking it to the renaissance man (laughs) yeah sticking
0: it to the renaissance man i love i love that what are some other entry points that you use um because i i take it you know sometimes uh and i and i remember this as 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 a high school teacher that sometimes if, if I was teaching an elective, um, it, it may have been that the student may have been there by default, or if I was teaching the required uh, AP or not AP course or whatever course it was, I may have not been the teacher that the student originally wanted. Um, so how, how do you, as, 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 as a teacher, you, you know, you may have somebody that, that didn't pick French or or art history as as their their course of choice. So what else is it that you do to help kind of create that connection and ignite that 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 same passion that you have uh for for all the things for for students. How do you how do you do that?
1: Um well, I think it's it might be different depending upon the level in which you at which you teach, but I started in middle school (laughs) so what a lot of people who are middle school teachers know is you really gotta let your freak flag fly and just be proud of it and so I, I learned that really early on and had a lot of fun with it and middle schoolers respect the weirdness because they feel it to their core and high schoolers are just really not that different they they're may be a little, little more subdued than middle schoolers. <laughs> but when you show that you can just be weird and goofy, it loosens them up a little bit. Then I think it's important every year at the beginning of the year, like I have my kids fill out uh, just a little info card with different questions that I ask them and things that don't pertain to my content area at all. It just pertains to the kids. And I use what I find out in there to talk to them. And one of the questions is, tell me what you listen to. And I say straight up, before you put your pencil down, I'd think long and hard about what you write, because I'm telling you right now that I'm using this to judge you. (laughs) And (laughs) and since they're teenagers, like they laugh. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I'm like, hey, if you write down Nickelback, like that's an interesting move on day one.
0: <laughs> if you
1: write down that you only listen to country, wow, huh, huh, that tells me a little something. So think long and hard, then start writing.
0: <laughs> you know, Aaron, everybody, you know, all of the the thousands of Nickelback listeners that listen to this podcast and subscribe, <laughs> subscribe have just turned this off. <laughs> so I just turned off this podcast, and and the letters are coming in from the Nickelback um you know army
1: um well canada's pride
0: yes yes okay. yes
1: maybe steer more toward uh neil young or joni mish
0: yeah 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 katie lang you know there's there's uh and well, we yeah. can. Even, I'll, I'll take brian adams too so uh, but i
1: would like to send justin bieber back over the border that's they can <laughs> keep him.
0: All of the Justin Bieber fans have just turned off this podcast, <laughs> and, uh, the thousands that I have now, but, but, but well, I have-
1: it, it's fair that ripping on Justin Bieber is low hanging fruit. So, okay.
0: <laughs> so tell us about the new book going, yeah. going global in the world language classroom and, and, uh, what what is what was the inspiration for the book and uh, what what kind of things are there for educators and and principals and leaders mm-hmm. to, to to dig into?
1: Um, in. I was part of the NEA Foundation's Global Learning Fellowship class of 2018, mm-hmm. and at that point I had been teaching for uh, 18 years, I think. No, seventeen years, and I needed something to to shake things up, and that fellowship absolutely did. It was in now twenty two years of teaching. It was the single best professional development I've ever had, and I learned about global education as a field. So I went into it thinking, "Oh yeah, I'm a world language teacher. I mean, this is what I do. Like, I can be a leader here. I know what's up." And really, really soon. Uh, shut up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what I learned um, primarily from Dr. Fernando Reimers of the Harvard Graduate School of Ed, who is an international expert in global education, there was a a statement that really rocked my world. He said, global education is not learning about the world. It's learning with and from the world. Mm. And that changed how I thought about teaching because as a world language teacher, we do a really good job of teaching about the world, for sure, about other countries, about other cultures. We don't do a great job as a whole of teaching and learning with the world. Mm. And, And there's not a great reason for that. So I think there needs to be a lot more exposure to the rest of the world for students every age, every discipline, And if kids are, this is going to sound a little, I don't know, pie in the sky, but I truly believe that if kids are making connections with people across the world from the time they enter the K-12 system, it's a part of creating a safer world. It's a lot more difficult to bomb somebody, you know, and are friends with. Mm
0: that's uh what i call in the uh principal liner notes lexicon a rewindable moment you know how npr has driveway moments um i i often i'm nowhere near npr um <laughs> but um i i call those rewindable moments and and what you just shared there um is, is probably single-handedly and in, 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 in having done a little bit with global ed and, and, and still continuing to explore that, um, probably one of the best examples and best analogies and cases for global education. So I, I greatly appreciate that, that empathetic um, aura that, that you just kind of weaved. Weave there, learning with the world, and 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 I I, I think of um, how with our mutual um, love for all things Beatles that mm-hmm. um, uh, you know I often say that you know the Beatles uh, yes I love the Beatles you love the Beatles but mm-hmm. but I also love what that love has has done for me and what it has led me to. So for example, uh, that, that led me to a great, uh, appreciation for Eastern music and mm-hmm. Ravi Shankar and the sitar and Raga and, and, and wanting to explore, you know, what, what is transcendental meditation or, or who is, you know, who, who is uh, the Maharishi and, and where is Rish yeah. and, and those things. Um, so I find, I find like bands or, or even language or art, you know, kind of helps not only be become an entry point into understanding and learning, but it is also to your point, an entry point into empathy for our world and
1: others. 100%. Yep.
0: You know, so what, what, uh, what is it about the Beatles for you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Oh, like, like no other band that came before them, or after the Beatles output during a short amount of time, realistically, was absolutely profound. They went from a band that was playing primarily covers, because that's really what was done at the time. And Elvis Presley, wasn't even writing his own music like that was just the vibe of that uh, of the 40s 50s early 60s like you recorded what professional writers wrote. And so the Beatles started there, but then they began to write their own music in the same style, mostly of what they had been doing with other people's recordings. The covers. And then the extent to which they grew and expanded and experimented and were just recording machines was incredibly profound. And I don't like any one of them is a fantastic musician, but putting the four of them together was over the top special. Yeah.
0: It, it's it's a synergy and a collaboration and and as we were talking about before uh we hit record on this podcast um I don't have a favorite Beatle I get asked that a whole lot or or and I I can answer different things about my favorite Beatles album which I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very clear about it's let it be um and 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 that album and I we were released on the same day in 1970 ah. so um but um but yeah, there's there's just something special as as you said. Like you said, you don't have a uh, a favorite era. You're not going to get in the early no. Beatles thing. It's it's that progression that we were yep. talking about. You know that 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 just notion of of, of pushing I- expression in in different ways and and in heavy heavy ways. Very, very very similar to Michelangelo. Very similar to Picasso. Very similar to these artists that that just we're going to push and push and push and push and push and push until we can't push anymore. And when we can't push anymore, we're going to, we're going to draw back maybe like you too and reinvent ourselves or, or the Beatles did and reinvent ourselves, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we can do as educators too, you know, continually reinvent and it's not always going to work and that's fine. Like there are too many variables. You know, you have all the very all the little variables sitting in front of you in class, Yeah. but continually trying to do something different and trying to push forward and make it better all the time. And just maybe sometimes make it weird just for fun. I mean, come on, let's yellow submarine it some days.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. So for. You know, a a big part of this podcast is is connection and kinship. That's that's Mm -hmm. my whole move is is to, you know, be that kind of similar entry point that the Beatles were for me. I'm nowhere near the Beatles. okay, but but again, like the Beatles, that was like my my entry point to something like Robbie Shank or, or literature or, you know, reading that, man, Paul, Paul was digging uh, Dylan Thomas's Fern Hill when, when he wrote Penny Lane. I've, I've, I've got to read that. I've got to find that. Or, you know, reading something like how a day in the life was um, akin to um, T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. Well, what's The Wasteland? What's that all about? You know, or what what, what is this French that that Paul McCartney is singing about? in, in, um, and Michelle, right. You know, and, and then trying to impress, you know, some, some gal I was pursuing, you know, and it didn't, it didn't really work out, but, um, for that educator that is listening and tuning in and, and is balancing work and life or, or trying to hit a pacing guide or, or a unit plan or whatever, what What is kind of a good start to embracing um going global? I mean, they've got your book mm-hmm. and I'm gonna put and I'll put all that stuff in the show notes but but uh what what's a good kind of simple next step for an educator whether they teach art or French or whatever to uh, to go global, so to speak using you taking yeah. a page from your title
1: wonderful so. I think of a couple different things. One is basic and one's a little bit more involved. So on a basic level, get involved in the conversation. So look at what the Asia Society is putting out, world savvy, the Harvard Graduate School of Ed, uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill has uh, uh, their worldview program. Um, The University of Minnesota has a lot. So just start getting into that world, Um, you know, social media, reading on websites, that kind of thing. I think that's an easy, like, let's just find out a little bit of info. And in my book, I do talk about a lot of different resources for teachers to um, engage in professional development about global ed, much of which is free, by the way. Right. But then the other piece of that, I think that's a little bit more in depth is a reframe for teachers. So reframing or thinking about global ed, do you have an idea of what it is? And Mm -hmm. then understanding, okay, it's learning with and from the world, not just about it. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times I've discovered that teachers, certainly world language teachers go right to travel. Yeah and then go right to, well, that's too expensive. And then it's shut down. Mm-hmm. So I think what not I think I know that a big part of what we have to do is when we understand that something is good for kids, we can't ask questions on a binary like, can we do this? Yes or no. No, we need to say, how can we do this? Mm-hmm. We need to presuppose that this is going to happen. So what's our route to get there? So, for example, for world language teachers, so many are like, oh, it's too expensive. I can't do global travel with kids. No, that's a yes or no. You need to come into it with how. How do I make this happen for kids? Because there are ways to do it and it's we need to think about creativity. So one example that I put in the book, which is absolutely possible for for multiple content areas is virtual reality. So getting a virtual reality system in your media center, and I don't know about you, but every media person I've ever met geeks out about new media, (laughs) like they are excited. So if you get a virtual reality system, you can set it up in your media center. And what I do or have done is the books that we read in class, wherever they take place, And I specifically try to get books that take place all over the Francophone world. I send students up to the media center. They work with the media specialists with the VR headsets and visit these places through VR Wow! and being in like a a 3D type of world. Now, there's a couple arguments that I hear to that. And number one is going to be, well, VR systems are so expensive. Okay, well, how are you going to get that? Maybe apply, well, I highly recommend applying for a grant with the NEA Foundation. They love giving money to global education themed projects. Hmm. Go get money from them. And the grant process with them is not, not difficult. The second thing is I hear people saying, well, that's not really travel. Well, that I think is a statement that really is coming from a place of privilege from someone who has traveled. From someone who is never, from a student who's never left maybe their neighborhood, to have a VR experience in Bogota, Colombia, might be really profound. And for someone who maybe has um, a physical limitation that they can't leave the country, and because they don't have access to things that they need in other countries, VR is a great option. So we need to look at, the wide range of students we have and expand our view. And then there's a lot of different ways that we can make connections with classrooms across the world. And what if we were VRing in Bogota, Colombia while we also had um, a connection with a classroom in Bogota.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it can it can keep on spiraling, but those are a couple things.
0: Those are those are really good starting points, and and again, as 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 I just kept hearing the word empathy, uh, absolutely empathetic entry points that are that are there. To take another turn to music, I noticed, and I'm grateful for all of your um, uh, responses to the pre-podcast questions, and there was one that stood out that uh again we we've lost the Justin Bieber fan base right now the- <laughs> we've lost the nickelback fan base but radiohead you oh. you you made a very um strong uh statement uh of of mourning of yes. of, of, of of candor uh regarding uh the death of radiohead um and the death
1: of radio had the rock band
0: yes the death yes the rock band yes Yes. they're still with us all of them uh and we're very grateful uh there's been side projects and soundtracks and and um and they've yes so um uh, let let's let's go there now i i uh, (laughs) and and i'll just tell you what camp I fall into with Radiohead. Now, I remember when Creek came out, mm-hmm. and 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 then and and Off really, Pablo, yes, honey. Yes, yeah. and appreciating that song, and then uh, and that was around the time I first started teaching. So I I didn't really I, I stopped following them until uh, Okay Computer came out, okay. and and that is an album that I am firmly rooted in and and i and i think it, it, it you know probably the 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 sergeant pepper if you will yep. of, of its time so i know again there's probably radiohead fans that that are very much in the kid a camp and going yep. how dare you <laughs> so uh and please uh I, I i must hear more on radiohead
1: <laughs> <laughs> i my musical taste lies in really guitar centric rock um and radiohead's first three albums pablo honey the bends and OK computer to a slightly lesser extent but still uh were really more guitar focused and they were a rock band at that time the bends is remains one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time and i can listen to every track all the way through and i love albums like that yeah um and after like kid a and beyond i was like wow tom what you doing what kind of extracurriculars are bringing you into this new space of really electronic music uh and i i did i just simply mourned the loss of the rock band electronic music is not my favorite uh, John Frusciante is one of my favorite living guitar players, and when he took a break from the Chili Peppers to explore really hardcore electronic sounds, I was in mourning for quite a while.
0: <laughs> wow! Wow! That that uh, again, I I. It's uh, a powerful statement and a powerful, uh, and, and it's it's interesting when bands take those turns and and move, and sometimes we can't always go into the territory that that yeah in person right,
1: and I don't begrudge them the right to do that yeah, but I can still feel loss as a fan.
0: <laughs> Absolutely no, I I'm I'm with you. I I, I feel that way about you too um mm. i really love the impressionistic period of unforgettable fire for you too i i greatly appreciate that album and and i and and joshua tree i appreciate and and i have fond memories of that album um but then i love when they they took a lot of people don't like when they went you know uh became electronic and and did um octan baby which i think is a great
1: I, yeah. Europa yeah and yeah, yeah.
0: I love that era, but, but then there are others that, that it's just, it's just an interesting, interesting thing, you know. Um, but again, that progression that you, you, you talk about. Um, and, and then I, I would love, I would love for you to, to mention the connection of your, of your children to some, some pretty <laughs> majestic. Well, one kind of is kind of yes. a majestic reference, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah and another and, and another is an early reference so I'd, I'd love to hear the story of the names
1: well my kids have been named after two people who are knighted so yes that's <laughs> so, right yeah yeah
0: guess.
1: yes so my son's middle name is McCartney after Paul uh, my husband and I saw Paul live together and both of us were like oh wow we just experienced something fully magical and i thought about like what paul means to me like he is creative beyond measure he made a mark on the world like the world is forever changed because of him and yeah. his and and the beatles um and he just is someone who without wavering for decades has said love is the answer. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's, I want to instill those things in, in my son. And then when my daughter was born, um, her, uh, (laughs) her first name, she's named after a Guns N' Roses song because all my life, like my name's Aaron, and I was always so mad. Like there, there are songs for Jamie and Veronica and Amanda and all Susie. Good grief, Susie's got a million songs, and there was no song for Aaron until I learned that "Sweet Child of Mine" was written about Axel's girlfriend at the time, Aaron Everly, right. who was the daughter of one of the Everly Brothers. Right. So my name's Erin, and I named my daughter Everly, and she's four years old and still gets really excited when Sweet Child of Mine comes on. And then her middle name um, is May, and that's a reference to Brian May, uh, Sir Brian May of Queen. She was born in the month of May, so we spell it M A E instead of M A Y because we're like <laughs> that might be weird if you have the middle name of your birth month, but but the the reference in the homage is to Sir Brian May, astrophysicist I, and guitar player. That's
0: right, Sir Doctor Brian May. Yes.
1: So,
0: I I appreciate that and I'm a May baby as, as well. So, and, and then the other thing, I mean, it, it does connect to the Beatles because John, well, all, all of the Beatles were very much influenced by the Everly brothers. And, um, you know, so that, that kind of two-part harmony uh, of Phil and Don, uh, big influence on John and Paul.
1: That is a nice, coming full circle piece with the naming of my children yes there you go yeah, yeah.
0: that's uh that's cool yeah and I think Paul um, no I know I know this I I know too much about the Beatles that's the sad thing um Paul did produce um one of um back in 84 uh one one of uh one of the Everly Brothers songs kind of one of their comebacks oh. so uh oh
1: that's awesome I didn't know that
0: yeah, I think it's on. It's on the wings of a nightingale. I think is the name of the song. It's a lovely song. Okay, yeah, it's a uh-huh. lovely, lovely tune. Um, and and probably around the time, uh, eighty four or so. Another seg to your first vinyl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so unusual, Cindy Lauper. That's, yep. What's your story with that? I'm always I I, I love that you shared that. Uh, yeah. I lo- and that's a that's I I have great nostalgia for that album. So.
1: Cindy Lauper I I really have strong memories of her as a child she just very clearly did things her own way and uh, as did Madonna actually for that matter yeah but Cindy had a a different look than Madonna for sure and I really I love vinyl and I love the art of vinyl so Mm -hmm. the cover art the back cover art and on the that cover of the Cindy Lauper album, She's So Unusual, my first vinyl, it, that wasn't Sesame Street. <laughs> um, sh- there is a Ferris wheel in the background, and you can see her, her shoes. And on the bottom of her shoes, the sole was Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night, That's right. which is in the MoMA in New York. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a child being totally transfixed by Starry Night Mm -hmm. and just loving it. And then years later, um, when I was living in Minneapolis, St. Paul, a friend of mine who was a musician, he he was in a band that opened for Cindy. And uh, he brought us backstage afterward, brought my best friend and I backstage, and we got to meet Cindy and get a, a photo with her and she is a diva in in all the best ways but mm-hmm. like standing next to her like she just exudes like queen of the room I bet. and it it felt really great to to meet her
0: what a what a great what a great memory and and thank you for sharing that um are you familiar with miles davis's cover of time after time no Oh, check it out! Um, he um, one of the one of his latter day albums, uh, and uh, if if you get a chance, check that out. It's quite and and it was uh, controversial at the time because you know here's Miles Davis taking a a pop song, which let let's face it, he he did that, in, in stand, standards and standards and the songs that he covered were were show tunes or pop songs or or, or what have you. And so he he took um, time after time and did a a very beautiful uh, version of that. It's on it's on Spotify. Um, came out um, maybe 85, 86. I could I could be wrong. And then uh, the great jazz vocalist uh, Cassandra Cassandra Wilson uh, did a Miles Davis tribute album, and she covered. Uh, did a did a very cool uh, jazz version of of Time After Time, uh, inspired by Miles Davis, who was inspired by cindy Lauper. So, uh, oh, that's awesome! I wrote I it, it down. Out. I will
1: check it out. Yeah, yes,
0: you will, you will, you will, uh, you will, you will dig that. You know, and and the the thing with art, and I, I love how you 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 framed uh, the she's so unusual art, you know, album cover because there's great artistry in, in, uh, album, album covers. And, and usually when I do a, um, a shot with, with the family or, or the girls, I go, that's an album cover shot, or you know, here we are going for the Pet Sounds album cover. <laughs> so do you, do you do a little bit of that in, in your art education, art history classes? Do you, do you take a nosedive into album cover art?
1: I, you know, I don't, it's an AP course. So we're a little bit bound like what the college board says I have to cover is right. intense. <laughs> I know, um, yeah. Yeah, but that would be a good, there's so much that could be done there. We do talk in pop art, like Andy Warhol's, Uh, the Velvet Underground have an Andy right. Warhol cover. And, yeah. Yeah, so I will bring up some intersections like that, but a little subunit, no.
0: You know, maybe maybe that's a that's a course. That's a course you develop.
1: That, it could be all on its own. Yeah.
0: It, the it intersection
1: would, of music and visual art.
0: Yeah. I mean, with all of your passion and and for those of you that are listening to the podcast, I mean, you're not if you're not viewing Erin right now and just her, you know, like I just saw <laughs> you like, you know, doing maybe a quick Google on time after time. Um and Miles Oh,
1: writing Davis. down Miles Davis yeah, writing down what I was doing.
0: Building. Your your passion is infectious, so it would be criminal. I we need an album <laughs> cover, and maybe the College Board will 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 grant you uh, grant 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 a waiver for you to 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 create an AP album cover art history or history of album cover art um, course. Well, that would well be you know, Sergeant
1: would, Pepper would be studied.
0: Absolutely, and Only,
1: there's some people I'd like to pluck out. Yeah, Phil, <laughs> Phil Spector. Mm. <laughs> like, well, like, yeah. I mean, well he
0: well well he's not on that. Well is he on that album cover? Is he on
1: Pepper? I think he was on it, but looking distinctly more normal than he ended up looking.
0: Yeah. I know he well, you know, obviously he 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 did he, you know he reproduced the uh the Let It Be album, my favorite album. Um, but um but anyway, I you know it it could be a a Kid A Ben's, I mean <laughs> You you could do a whole lot with that. Yes. You could. You could. What if and but before we sign off, what what is your push comes to shove your your all time favorite album? I know I'm putting you on the spot and I know that is a tough that is a loaded question.
1: Oh
0: (laughs) But why not? Why not? Come on.
1: Well, that's brutal.
0: (laughs) I I mean I, I I mean I'll give you three, three. Okay. three, you're, 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 you're heading to the South of France and um, which you will be. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And, yeah.
0: and, and you um, you're packing the bag. What, what are those three albums that, you know, okay, I, I need that that are going to help me uh, get through the long plane ride and, 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 and all of that. What are those three albums that you download or, or bring with
1: you? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to bring the Benz, Radiohead the Benz. Okay. I'm going to bring Weezer's Blue album. Wow. And I'm going to bring Nirvana's Uh, Mm -hmm. Unplugged. Yes. So good. I'm glad you said that.
0: I I appreciate that album a whole lot. I love the Unplugged album. Yeah. Big time big time.
1: Yeah, I just I mean it's hard because Nevermind was produced by Butch Vig, who's my favorite producer. Um but man, just track by track unplugged.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and I love anything Dave Grohl touches. Yeah, so, you, you mentioned yeah, him as, yeah.
0: as well and 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 definitely <laughs> someone who appreciates education. He's the son of a teacher
1: yes and, and, yep. and
0: somebody that that is a devoted um devoted family man and and uh you know love the seen a couple of videos um uh, that, that he's done with his daughter who sings so uh, yes. That's cool. um yes it it is um it is interesting too i it was it's funny you should mention nirvana unplugged um i just i read this yesterday and i i don't know Maybe it was on a podcast from Rolling Stone magazine, but I, I read the transcript, so I'm not 100% sure. But the cellist who plays on the In Utero album is not the same person that toured with them. And and they interviewed the original cellist and uh, in this recent podcast. I'll track it down for you.
1: Yeah.
0: She she dated the producer, Steve Albanini. Is, is Yep,
1: Steve Albanini, yeah.
0: And um, and very um, I'm always fascinated with those kind of three degrees or six degrees of separation when it comes to music. So you hear like these iconic things. So, for example, um, she's leaving home. The harp uh, is is a, is a very distinctive sound. And, and, and that person has an interesting story or the person that plays the uh, the trumpet solo on uh the piccolo trumpet on penny lane
1: mm-hmm. he has
0: an interesting story and so i was just fascinated to read about this cellist and her story of recording to the two songs on uh on the Inutero album and i always thought it was the same person it's not and uh, and they talk a little bit about uh, about that it's really fascinating
1: yeah well i <laughs> i love when i travel uh researching the music history of the places where I travel and like going to music, um, like places where, where historic things happened. So uh, like before I moved to Colorado from Minneapolis, I was like, I need to go to Pocket Drum Studios, which is like an hour away from Minneapolis, but it's where in utero was recorded. It's in the middle of nowhere in a woods. Wow. Maybe wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't, but we still drove up and kind of walked around the outside. And I got married in Madison, Wisconsin. And what I had to do when I was there is visit where Smart Studios was. That was Butch Vig's studio. And uh, they recorded one or two songs for Nevermind at Smart Studios. Mm. And I needed to go get that picture.
0: You know, I I do a similar move, um, if if at all possible. So uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I or no, it was last year actually. Um, drove down to to Macon, Georgia, because I wanted to go to the Almond Brothers, uh, the big house uh, here in Winston Salem. Um, the first three out al- little known fact: the first three albums by REM were recorded here in Winston Salem, North Carolina. Um, oh, so. Yeah. And, and they're it,
1: from Athens, Georgia. That's
0: Right. That's right. And, um, and, and Minneapolis now, ho- hold on a second. Aaron. <laughs> There's only one thing that comes to mind.
1: Oh, I you, hope you say the right thing.
0: Paisley park.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. That the right thing? yes. Okay. I, you, I
1: wasn't sure if you were going to go Dylan or Prince.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I can go Dylan too. You know, we can go to Hibbing, but Have you, did you, have you ever visited Paisley Park or have you been there? Um,
1: Paisley, I have seen Prince live and it was transformative. Um, And I have not been in Paisley and I really want to go now that it's a museum. Um, But I have friends that went to Prince's like after show parties at Paisley and yeah, that was a really big deal. When he died, I was teaching in Colorado and got the news while I was teaching. A colleague rushed into my room to tell me, and I just started sobbing. And the kids were like, what is going on? And I was like, okay, you know how important the mountains are to Coloradans? It's as if one day they're not there. Wow. And the kids were like, okay, this is a big deal. (laughs) And yeah, Prince. Both of my kids have favorite Prince songs and and when my my son asked me what Little Red Corvette is about, that was definitely a parenting moment of, "Oh, wow. Um, well, honey, what do you think?" <laughs> Cuz I I maybe wasn't wasn't going to give him the the actual real reason. Yes. Yes. But uh, yeah, Bob Dylan originally from Minnesota, and one of my yoga students went on a date with Bob, and I found out after she had been my yoga student for years, and I was like, Patty, how could you have not told me this? And she's like, oh, well, uh, he just always tried to put his hand in the popcorn when mine was in there and that kind of thing. But (laughs) their moms were best friends, so they tried setting Mm -hmm. up their kids, and it didn't work.
0: It, it didn't work out. And maybe, maybe she inspired a lyric or a song and, and doesn't know it. You never know with him, right?
1: Uh, you never know. <laughs> that,
0: so that is, that is so cool. Uh, you know, when you mentioned Prince passing away, I was, um, I was a high school principal at the time and, and uh, our lead secretary, uh, one of, if not the biggest Prince fan I know. And um I remember uh telling her we were both devastated and and uh some tears were shed because that I still can't believe he's gone. Just like I, I still yeah. can't believe David Bowie's gone, you know? Yeah. Uh, or George Harrison. I remember when George and yeah. I was telling this to a yep. colleague the other day, um, that uh that was such a devastating day. And 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 I, I hope Paul doesn't go anytime soon, but I know I I'm I'm Or Ringo, you know, Ringo, you know, I'd be a mess. And I was a mess when George died. I remember waking up crying, uh, hearing that on news radio, and just, and all I I didn't, I could barely, I don't think I taught that day. I think all I did in class, as I was teaching, I was a high school English teacher at the time, all I did was just talk about the Beatles. And everybody came in. I remember my colleagues and different students that I had then and and, and in, in, in the past. Just came by to visit. My whole classroom just became like awake. Um, so, that what what a what a beautifully sad image of the mountains and 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 prints. So that that is that is powerful, Aaron. Um, how can folks follow you and connect with you and and pick up a copy of your new book?
1: Uh, well, it's super easy to connect on Twitter or you know. The new weird name. X. X. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, um, Aaron EH dash Austin. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Aaron underscore EH underscore Austin. And I'm on LinkedIn, Aaron EH Austin. And uh, my new book, Going Global in the World Language Classroom Ideas, Strategies, and Resources for Teaching and Learning with the World, is available. Everywhere online that you can find books, Amazon, really easy. Um, on my publisher is Routledge, and it's usually cheaper because uh Routledge runs sales all the time. Mm-hmm. So anyone who's interested, I'd recommend going to Routledge first. And if there's not a sale, contact me. I'll give you a discount code. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Authors get discount codes frequently. So I'm I'm happy to to give those out to anyone who wants one. It's usually 20%.
0: Awesome. That's, that is, that is quite, uh, that is quite the hookup and I'll definitely put all of those details and, and connections in, in the show notes for those of you that are, that are tuning in to, uh, to the podcast. And then Aaron, are you, um, if if I, and I could be mistaken, uh, and I I'm often mistaken. So (laughs) is, is there, is there a conference, Gig you got coming up? Did I see that or you had a conference? Yes. Um, well,
1: I speak time? at conferences usually a couple times a year. This summer, I spoke at the AATF, American Association of Teachers of French, conference in Quebec. Um, but coming up next month, at the end of October, I'm speaking at the MCTLC, Minnesota Council for the Teaching of Languages and Cultures, teaching it. I'm speaking at their conference
0: oh that's wonderful then and, and and lucky lucky folks that uh, that'll be able to uh, to witness and uh, experience the goodness that is aaron austin as as we've been fortunate to have on uh, on the podcast uh with you so um quick favorite beatles album
1: yeah <laughs> uh rubber soul comes to mind i don't know why maybe cuz it was my first beatles vinyl
0: wow That was that was my first Beatles vinyl. That was well, no, I take that back. It was Beatles rarities, which was a compilation. But Rubber Soul was my first studio album on vinyl.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I can see that there is a global uh, edge to that album Uh, with Norwegian Wood and and Michelle. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, but let it be. Let it be too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a that's that's a special that's my favorite as well. So, um, Aaron Austin, thank you so much for being on the the principal liner notes podcast. I have really appreciated our our time together, and I value our our kinship and education, and music and and art. And uh, I am I am going to go track down a copy of She's So Unusual. Uh, because so awesome. yeah I, it's a good <laughs> album and uh and I need to now I now have a deeper appreciation for the album cover art uh, yeah. that that is there as as I sign off on uh the principal liner notes uh, podcast don't forget to share with the world your dreams, your visions, your ideas, your art. Uh, our language, it connects all of us, just like Aaron connects us in so many in so many great and, and innovative and creative and empathetic ways. This is Sean Gaylord with Aaron Austin. This is the Principal Liner Notes. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to catching you on the flip side.